When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So a couple of quick updates, or maybe it's just one update. We are moving along on the next class, Mindfulness for Kids. I'm really excited about this one. The presentation is finished. I will be recording it today. Uh, Next week, I'll share more about the amazing benefits of teaching mindfulness for everyone, but for kids in particular, especially if you have a child who struggles with outbursts, anxiety, focus, Mindfulness is a great way to help them get control of their mind and body. And actually, this is something I'm going to start doing with my kids. I'm going to be having them do some mindfulness practices every day. So I'm really excited to get that out for you guys. So today's question, Katie had a two-part question. Well, it's actually two separate questions. One is about lying, how to handle that. The second one is about struggles over control with her six-year-old daughter. So she wrote... Hello, Erin. I've been listening to your podcast for years now and I've always found them very helpful and very reassuring. So thank you for this. However, there's two things I've not heard you talk about or have failed to locate and I could really use your input on them. One is lying. It's very difficult for me to figure out the right way to handle this. My daughter, who is now six and started lying around age four, she lies about things both big and small. She will also lie to get others in trouble or deny her own wrongdoing and lie about schoolwork or something simple like what's her favorite book or things to do or what they were playing or she has hid her brother's favorite things and say they got lost is another example. When confronted, she will continue to lie many times. I always try to give her a chance to tell me what's going on without any blaming or shaming. I try to be approachable and listen as I want her to feel that I do listen and want to trust her and that she can talk about things. But that doesn't seem to help. I'm also wondering about how to handle lies from younger ages so I can be better prepared with my son and older ages into the teen years so I can think ahead. The second thing could be related to the first, and I'm not sure, but my daughter also always has had a very strong desire to have control. She wants to have control over everything. Her little brother, who is three, is more of a toy than a person. She will tell him what to play, what to say, and do when playing. She will answer questions for him and over talk when he tries to speak up. If he doesn't listen to her, she oftentimes will lash out 
by hitting, scratching, or saying something hurtful. If she sees him having fun without her, she will quickly try to distract him back to her attention. She also has to have control over her things and her room. She has hiding spots all around the house where she will hide her favorite things, even from herself. If people go in her room, she becomes very anxious and uncomfortable to the point of flailing around and laughing, but not something was funny laugh. And has even bit me after becoming over anxious when she was five and a half when friends came over and were playing in her bedroom. I always try to give her space and respect it. I always give her a heads up before changes and before sharing. I try talking with her brother about speaking up and to her about us all being different people with different ideas. I've bought the books and listened to the podcast, but we've gotten really stuck here. A doctor during the lockdown said she has ADHD, but with everything going on, we're skeptical and hesitant about starting strong medications. I wonder more about OCD or something else that may be happening. We try to talk with her and have tried so many things to help her open up, but it's very hard for that to happen. She will say things like, I'm not talking about it, I don't want to talk, or a simple, I don't know, door closed. I look forward to hearing back, and I so greatly appreciate all that you do. The last year has been a tough one for all of us, indeed. Thank you, Katie. Okay, so I am going to start with the lying part of the question, and then I will move on to the control stuff. So I actually have covered this, but it was a really long time ago. I don't even remember the episode number. It was a really long time ago. I did get a very similar question, and interestingly enough, it was the same age. It was a six-year-old. I don't remember if it was a boy or a girl. Um... And so that probably tells everyone (laughs) that this is a very common behavior at this age. So it doesn't actually seem to be a common question though. So it's a good one to cover again, because like I said, it's been a really long time since I talked about this. I think parents, we struggle so much with other things like aggression, getting kids to listen, that maybe, you know, the lying feels like a lesser concern to most parents. And so if they send in a question, it just happens to be about aggression and some other stuff. But lying is definitely a very common thing that happens at these ages. So... It's not so much of a concern at this age, at six years old, but there are ways to work with it to help young children understand lying, the expectations and why lying is not the best choice, ways to give them some better go-to behavior. So this information I'm about to share actually comes straight from the class on honesty and respect. So in the class on honesty and respect, I also talk about lying, the development of lying by age or honesty by age and children's understanding of realism and honesty. And and I also obviously talk about respect. Um, But I I talk about how to handle and deal with lying um, on many different levels and tips, but I'm going to give you quite a bit here to get started and get going on. So I'm going to cover the development of honesty by age. I'm going to talk about some reasons kids lie when they do, and then tips for addressing lying. So like I said, it's out of the class. You're going to get quite a bit here, but there is more in the class, more in depth if you need some more information. Development of honesty by age. So storytelling starts to come in around age two and continues up to about age five and a half. This is part of the development of their imagination and the use of creativity. So they have a lot of imagination, a lot of creativity coming on board, and they will do some storytelling that comes across as lies, Um, certain things that they did or didn't do, but it's really just that imagination. So you need to recognize it as storytelling rather than lying. What an amazing story. Let's draw a picture to go with your story. 
Now, when you're asking a direct question, let them know this is not story time. I need you to tell me the truth. But remember, age four and under can have a difficult time parsing out fantasy and reality. So it is important also to define honesty for our kids. Defining honesty for young children under four has to be very concrete. It means you have to tell them that honesty means telling me what really happened. Ages four to five, you can start to talk about how honesty is important in relationships so that we can trust each other, that we're building trust. When we don't have that trust, it will cause those issues. My job is to help you be safe, and it helps me to do that better if you can tell me the truth. You can also talk about how your job is to raise them to be you know, kind and caring and all of these other types of whatever it is that you want to share. And that one of those things that's important is honesty. And so you're there to help them work on that. So just a quick story. When my son, my oldest son was four years old and I was trying to explain to him that Scully and Mike Wazowski were not real. They were just in the movie. So I explained this to him and then I swear, I don't know, two weeks or a month later, we go to California Adventure, we walk around a corner, and who do we see but Mike Wazowski? So obviously the character in costume, and he exclaims, you told me he wasn't real, but he is real. I saw him right in front of me. And you know what? He was right. And what was I going to do? I wasn't going to be like, oh, that's somebody in a costume. No, I can't tell him that. I'm not going to break the the wall, the fantasy for him. Um so uh, that was just kind of a funny story where I sort of had to eat my words in a way because I wasn't, I wasn't going to stomp on a four-year-old boy's like, you know, fantasy, this big, this fun time at Disneyland. Um, also things that they dream about or think about, they might seem real to them. So you want to talk about that openly about dreams and how they seem really real and ask like, was that in your dream or was this something you just thought about, but didn't really happen? Especially if they're telling you kind of a big, crazy, wild story about something that happened. Okay, some general guidelines for developing a strong sense of honesty. Don't ask any questions you already know the answer to. If you know that they had the chocolate because it's all over their face, don't say, did you get into the chocolate? Did you eat the chocolate from the cupboard? Because they are obviously going to be like, no, I didn't do that. You need to just call it out for what it is. You're setting them up to lie otherwise. It might be cute when your two or three-year-old is saying, no, I didn't eat the chocolate. It's all over their face, but you really want to help them work on honesty. So you don't want to ask any questions that you already know the answer to. They have dirt on their hands and your potted plant is knocked over. You know they did it. So you just want to call it out. I can see you were playing in my plant and knocked it over. State what you know. I can see that you had some chocolate from the cabinet. Let's talk about that. When a child lies, parents often ask a series of questions to get the child to fess up. The child is now basically forced to lie over and over to cover up the lie. If you catch the child in a lie, don't ask any more questions. You want to stop. This is what you said. This is what I know. Try again. You want to give the child the opportunity to tell the truth. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more um, in a few minutes after I talk about why kids lie. So sometimes kids are simply engaging in storytelling, like I said, but there's several other reasons that kids engage in lying. First, to see if they can get away with something. They test the power of the lie. If you catch your child lying for this reason, like they told the teacher they don't have time to do their homework when in fact they just forgot to do their homework, 
Having your child face the person they lied to is a perfect discipline, especially in early elementary years. It will stick with them and it's a perfect logical negative consequence. You want to let them know there's a consequence to the lie and if you can do a logical one, even better. Sometimes kids lie to escape discipline. Sounds like this is definitely happening with Katie's daughter. If you find this is a pattern in your house, you want to check your discipline strategy to see if it's too harsh. If it's too authoritarian, and work on some positive discipline. Using positive discipline, now I wanna give a caveat here because this sometimes isn't really the problem and I have a story about that, but just in general, I'm gonna talk about this and then I'm gonna talk about how um, you can address it if you feel like you're being super positive and you're really a very approachable parent and you're still um, dealing with that. But, so, but just in general for everyone, you wanna make sure you're using positive discipline. You wanna give your child less reason to act defensively. So. In the intro to discipline class, along with the discipline, all the other discipline classes, there's a lot of information on how to do all of this, on how to use positive discipline to make sure that you have a strong bond, a strong communication so that your child is a lot less likely to be afraid to come to you when they have something to tell you that is less than favorable. Okay, so obviously, you know, I teach these classes, I do this work, I live it, I breathe it day in, day out. Very positive discipline. And sometimes I feel like I'm actually a little bit too lenient on my kids sometimes. Um, you know, I've never hit them. I've never, I mean, I'm not, not going to say I've never yelled at them. I do yell on occasion when I get upset, but I've never um, belittled or threatened or anything. Sometimes I've just yelled like, you need to get to schoolwork. You need to get your stuff. You need to get ready. We're leaving. That kind of thing. But I've never reprimanded them or put them down or belittled them in any stretch of the imagination. Okay. So we had this incident before we were moving. We had bought this can of nuts. It was almonds, cashews, and pistachios. It went missing. It was gone. And the boys don't like nuts. So we knew the boys didn't take it. And Corey hadn't taken it. And I hadn't taken it. And we we're just like, what happened to the nuts? And I told Corey, I'm like, I had some the other day and I put it right back up here in this cabinet. And we just could not find it, could not find it. And Taylor was like, I didn't take it. I don't, I didn't take it. I didn't use it. We're like, are you sure, Taylor? No, I'm sure I didn't use it. I didn't take it. Now she's 10. Okay, so we're not talking a six-year-old. This is a 10-year-old saying she did not take the nuts. And I was like, okay, all right. You know, I wasn't going to like come down on her hard. And so, because she's very honest, like she's a very, very honest child. And you can see it in her face. Like usually she is just like, I did it. I'm so sorry. Like she fesses up. So I was just like, okay, that's weird. Like she does not do this anyway. So fast forward, <laughs> like two months later, she still hasn't unpacked her room. So I go in there like, Taylor, you got to unpack this room. You got to unpack this room. And I go into one of her boxes and what do I find? <laughs> but the canister of nuts. And I'm like, Taylor, what do you think I just found in your box? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Pull up the can of nuts. I'm like, Taylor, why didn't you just tell us that you had the can of nuts? I was afraid I was going to get in trouble. And I was like, why? I'm like, Taylor, have we ever like screamed at you or yelled at you or called you names or done anything? Have I ever hit you? Like, why would you be afraid to tell us the truth about a can of nuts? And she's like, I don't know. So we had to sit down and talk about that, that she, I don't want her to be afraid to come to us if because they're not supposed to have food in their room. So that's the reason that she was afraid she was going to get in trouble. And then after she'd already, I'm sure she was just like, I don't want to deal with this. She probably lied. And she felt like she had to keep covering it up. So she kept saying, no, I didn't do it. I haven't seen them. I don't know. Anyway, so 
that is an instance where obviously the discipline in the home is very positive. We're very warm, very caring, but she just did not feel comfortable telling us the truth. So I want to make sure just like all of you that my children feel comfortable coming to me about all kinds of things. And, you know, a can of nuts is a really small, insignificant little thing. I'm like, just tell me you did it. And we'll just be like, you know, you're not supposed to have food in your room. You know, please don't do it again. Um, so there are several other reasons that kids lie, and I'm going to get into those along with helping Katie with the overly controlling behavior from her daughter right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, ByHeart created a clinically proven, easy-to-digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. ByHeart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. ByHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now that we're back after the break, let's get into the rest of the reasons kids lie, some tips on dealing with lying, as well as working with kids who are trying to take too much control, needing too much control, and how to help them with that. Okay. So I'm going to go back to kids lying to escape discipline. So you can help fix this by setting up the discipline. So there's more discipline for the lying than there is for when the child is honest. So despite the behavior that led up to the lie or the honesty, you want more discipline for the lying piece of it than actual for the behavior that you would have given if they had just fessed up in the first place. So in the case of hitting, pushing, there's more discipline for lying about the hitting than if they had just been honest about it. There still needs to be discipline for that behavior, of course, because it is aggressive. It's aggression. So, um, so, but the lying on top of it means that there's more discipline for that. We're going to really set some strong boundaries around that. Okay. Another reason children lie is to gain independence. So you want to check if your child is being treated appropriately for his or her age. I don't think this is the case for Katie's daughter, but I am just putting this out as another reason. So if you are having some issues with some lying in your house, especially as they get older, once they get into the tween and teen years, there's a real push for independence. And if they feel like they're not being treated fairly or being given enough responsibility to make good decisions for themselves, they're likely going to lie for to have more independence. So you want to check if they're being treated appropriately for their age. If you aren't sure, 
Again, the class on honesty and respect talks about the areas where kids should have independence by age, how to give them those opportunities so that you can negate that reason for the lying. Also, sometimes kids will start lying from feeling pressure and stress from too many demands, too many activities. Kids might say, I don't feel like going to soccer. I have a headache. My foot hurts. If your child loves soccer practice or loves an activity but has excuses for not going, you want to address the stress level and the demands instead of the lying. Also, sometimes kids will lie from boredom or perceived lack of attention. If this is becoming a problem, lying for attention seeking, you might want to seek some counseling for the child and the family to help with issues around self-esteem, feeling needed and loved. Also, great class on that is the self-esteem classes, both of them, zero to five, and then um, above five, six and uh, through teen years. A lot of great ways to help work on kids' self-esteem so that their self-confidence comes from the inside and you're going to help them build that up over the years and help them learn how to build their own self-esteem over the years. A lot of great information in those classes on that because what happens is the pattern could get worse over time and turn into other more serious attention-seeking behaviors or bigger lies that bring bigger attention. So you want to make sure you nip that in the bud. Okay, a few other reasons for lying and they're more prevalent in tweens and teens that I also cover in this class on honesty and respect, how to handle those. Um, but I really want to get to the other part of the um, the control issues because that's another really big issue. So I want to have time to get to that. And since Katie's daughter is still really young, and I did address a little bit about the independence thing that can come up in tweens and teens as well. You can take a look at that. Or as your kids get older, you can think about that. But I want to also get on to some tips. So here's tips from the class on dealing with lying. You wanna avoid calling children out as lying or liars. This entrenches shame. It will make kids afraid to ever confess when they do lie, and all kids lie. Actually, I don't know a human alive who doesn't lie from time to time. Even just to spare someone's feelings or avoid a confrontation. So you wanna see lying for what it is. It's, it's always to save some kind of face. It's out of fear. Like there is a reason for the lie. So you want to address the reason behind it as an opportunity, both for yourself to do better and to teach better skills and choices to your children. When you know your child is lying, just like I said earlier, you want to say, stop, try again, tell me the truth. Then if they still insist, you want to let them know how you know the truth. So if you found something of yours that was hidden in their room, you know that they put, they're going to say, I didn't put it there. But you also can say, I know you put it there because I know your dad's not going to take my thing and put it back in your corner. You know, you can say exactly why they're really the only person left who would have done it and that you just really need them to tell you the truth, that you're working on honesty, that it's very important for the relationship. Give them some time to think about it. Sometimes they know deep down they did it. It's just really hard to come out and say that for whatever reason. I think we all struggle with that, to just come out and say, yes, I did it. You want to be as honest as you can. Children can learn lying from us. So if you feel like you need to lie to your cousin Jessica and tell her you can't make the party because you already have plans, but the truth is Jessica's in-laws will be there and you just can't stand them, don't let your kids hear the discussion with Jessica or afterwards with your spouse. Do what you need to do to protect your life and not hurt anyone's feelings, but don't let the kids hear you do this. 
because it really sets up a precedent for, oh, it's okay to lie so long as it's this situation. And you just want to make sure that you are being as honest as you can in front of your kids and keeping that as a really important boundary in your home. You want to answer all questions with honesty to the best of your ability in age-appropriate ways. Where do babies come from? Don't brush it off saying something about a stork. If they're asking a question, they're ready to hear some level of real answer. You want to be prepared early for questions about sex, death, money, drugs, all of the uncomfortable questions. And this way, you're not coming up with some off-the-cuff answer that they know isn't being honest or brushing it away, which is another way of not dealing with the truth is avoidance. So you want to be ready to answer those questions to some degree. You can even answer it part way and say, I'd really like to talk more about this, but we really do have to get going for dinner. But let's talk about this more later. And then make sure you bring it up again later so that you're not avoiding it or brushing the subject away. But always be prepared, be open and honest and ready for those conversations. Okay, in the class, I cover nine more tips on dealing with honesty and also ways to teach and expect respect in general as a general policy in your home. So you can find that on the website at yourvillageonline.com. But let's get to the control issues because this is going to take us a little bit. This is a great question, great topic. I want to make sure I cover this as deeply as I can. Okay. One thing we can definitely work on is teaching kids where they can have control and where they cannot. And at six, you can definitely sit down and have a conversation about this. Because Katie's daughter is really anxious about kids coming in her room and finding toys that she's hidden or are special, I recommend allowing her room to be off limits from other kids. So this is a protected area. No kids coming over for playdates are able to go in her room or relatives, cousins, what have you. And then the special toys she can put in her room before anyone comes over. This way that cuts down on the anxiety around the room or her toys, if that's really, it's probably more about the toys than the room, but she feels like she wants to have this safe space where other people can't go in and get her stuff. So you want to have her pick, if she wants to, a few toys, one or two. So besides the stuff that she just keeps in her room, her lovies, her books, whatever she keeps in her room, if there are a few toys that are in the common play area that she really are special to her, she can pick out a few of those and put those in her room before a play date to make sure that those stay protected from having to share them with other kids a special animal from the zoo kit, a train from the trains, that type of thing. The other thing is that the other areas and places you want to work with her to learn how to relinquish control. This is going to mean a lot of coaching through scenarios. You know what? Before I go to this, I am going to, I was going to put this later, but I feel like I, when I originally read the question, I didn't even read about the ADHD diagnosis and I did put that in here, but I was going to put it at the end because, um, it's just because I'm never one to suggest a diagnosis without a proper evaluation, but the symptoms that you have been talking about did make me question whether or not she may want to, you may want to get her in for an evaluation for ADHD because she is struggling more than most with certain issues, one of those being impulse control. So impulse control is one of the symptoms of ADHD, and she seems to really struggle with that. Um, it doesn't mean that with some focus work and intention around the boundaries, the expectations, the teaching, learning the skills, and the tips that I've given, 
that it won't likely improve. It probably will. So work on that, but also consider getting her a proper diagnosis for ADHD. You need to fill in the forms. You need to um, have a, a evaluation. So it also helps if you can have the teacher involved. I'm, I don't know if she's back in the classroom, but having the teacher do the evaluation, you do the evaluation, the doctor does the evaluation, then you have um, three different data points to for this evaluation. There are other options besides using medications. There are different um, behavioral therapies that you can she can work on with a therapist or some tools that you can learn to work with her at home. Um, as I think a lot of you know now, I have one child with an ADHD diagnosis. His is inattentive type. So he doesn't really have the impulse control issues so much as he just has the lack of focus. But a hyperactive type has the impulse control. Although he does have some impulse control. He does speak out of turn. He has a hard time waiting his turn to speak or share his ideas because he gets very excited and just kind of needs to blurt it out. But we do not do medication. We use a lot of techniques to help him refocus and refocus and to learn how to you know, refocus himself when he gets um, distracted. So those are, there are other options besides using medication. So I did an episode just not that long ago. It's four episodes back. It's episode number 228, and it's in the second half. I talk about the three types of ADHD and the criteria for each type. So you may want to listen to that pretty closely and see what you think or where she falls. She may have both. She may have a inattentive and hyperactive type. But you can do a lot of other things besides medications if you don't want to do the medication route right now or ever. The other thing is you also talked about OCD. It is possible with the hiding of things. It, that is possible. And when people have a diagnosis, it's very common to have a co-occurring, I hate to call it disorder, but that is what they call it, a co-occurring disorder. And so OCD is one that is potential. It's very, it's very, very slight at this point. OCD can be treated also with behavioral types of therapy. So these are things that a specialist can help her work on recognizing her behaviors and finding other ways of working through the behavior. So OCD is an anxiety type disorder. It's about having control. And so you're talking a lot about the control struggles that she's having. So I think getting in for some therapy might be extremely helpful for both the ADHD, which sounds like it's very likely, and then also some work on the OCD types of behaviors. Now, she likely does not have a diagnosis for OCD, but definitely has some of the behaviors. But if you can work those out now or help her work on those and get that under control, she may never have a full diagnosis. So it may just get this nipped in the bud enough that she may never, you know, develop worse. But what does happen is a lot of times with these types of behaviors, once they start, they can get worse over time. So you want to make sure you get that taken care of pretty quickly, pretty early. Okay, I want to give a couple other tips for dealing with kids because whether or not she has one or more of these disorders, ADHD or OCD, you're going to want to work on the behaviors at home. So, okay, so I'm going to talk about some other areas where you can really help her work on these behaviors. Setting up a place where she can go to calm down and learn to relinquish control. Other than helping her have control over certain things she wants to have control over, the places where she cannot have control, you're really going to want to work with her to learn how to relinquish control. You're going to do a lot of coaching through this. She's going to need a lot of support and help. If she's really struggling, she can do a positive timeout or a time in. 
A positive timeout is going to a place that is comfortable for her to sit and relax. So creating a very special place for her with her favorite stuffed animals, with her books. If she likes music, a place where she can just turn on something and play some music, whatever it is that she likes and will just be a place where she can learn to relax. So you're going to create this area, maybe somewhere like the corner of her room, someplace, you know, just where she can be alone in her own space. So if there's a place in the downstairs that is less trafficked, where she can just kind of go and zone out on her own, um, a big fluffy rug, a big fluffy floor pillow, um, a drape from the ceiling um, that's, you know, kind of like one of those princess things, um, whatever you and she come up with, a few favorite stuff to animals and you call it, you can call it her calm corner, her calming corner, her cozy corner. You can even put up a little thing, put her name, um, you know, whatever her name is, cozy, so-and-so's cozy corner. And then if she's really struggling, then you recommend that she goes to her cozy corner and relax for a little bit, read her books or listen to her music. Now I would coach all of this during quiet times a lot more. So not when she's struggling with the emotions or struggling with her brother and he's not listening to her, but you want to sit down, you want to have some conversations about the struggles, especially, um, you know, if she had a struggle earlier in the day, like in, in the morning, and then maybe after lunch, you go sit down together, her brother's taking a nap or something. And you want to say, I can really see you're struggling with some of this stuff. You know, when your brother did X this morning, he was playing with the trains happily by himself. You seem to really struggle with letting him play on his own. Everyone... You know, some people like to sit and play on their own. And when he's having a good time and he has his own ideas about how to play with the toys, we need to allow him to have that time and have his ideas. When you get too upset, you try to take over. We need to use your calm corner because this is just not acceptable. You want to talk about that, have these conversations, why this isn't okay to go in and take over, why going to her cozy corner is a great place to go and where she can go and connect with herself and calm down a little bit. Allow her to help decide on decorations, how to set it up, help her and then help her with it or let her help you with it. Make it as fun and inviting as you can. Pictures on the walls that she's drawn, decals with pictures on it. A theme, if she's into anything in particular, just make it really special. When she struggles, remind her of the cozy corner. Assist her in going there. It may take a little bit, a few weeks for this to become a habit, for her to you know, be like, okay, I think I want to go there. And then you'll just have the reminder, I can see you're struggling with letting your brother build some of the castle. Can you allow him to build his part with his own imagination right now? Remember, if it's getting really hard, your big unicorn in your cozy corner would love a visit from you. You want to keep it positive, not a threat, not a punishment. If she refuses to go, you don't force, but you do need to separate her until she calms down. You don't need to go into your cozy corner, but I do need you to leave the area until you can interact with others more appropriately. You can talk about safety, that other kids don't feel safe and that that's not okay, that she is not allowed to take over, that that is not acceptable. Then you move her to a different area. She can sit on the couch and watch or in the other room or sit on the step and talk with you. And then you want to talk with her after she's calmed down. You're going to talk a little bit then, and then you can talk a little bit later in the afternoon, a couple hours later. Like I said, sit down and talk about it. You really struggled this morning. Let's talk about that. Now you say she may just not shut down and not want to talk about it. That's okay. 
but you want to try to bring it up a little bit. And especially if it's later on, it's right after some kids will really shut down and be like, I don't want to talk about it. That's fine. She can go sit on the couch. She doesn't have to talk about it. She just is removed from the situation. And then, um, but then a few hours later, a lot likely kids are much more open because they're not feeling so, um, they're not going to shut down like that because it's the quiet times when kids learn the most about their behaviors, when they're the most open to learning about doing things differently. So it's good to teach her brother to advocate for himself, but at three, that's a lot to ask, especially if you have an older sibling who just is barrels in and takes over. So you want to be sure to step in and model that for him also. Your brother was just sharing his idea. I need you to wait your turn, please. When he's finished, I would love to hear what you have to say. Okay. Another quick thought, her natural temperament. So in addition to potential diagnoses or diagnosis, she likely is high in intensity. From the temperament class, intensity is the level of emotional expression. A highly expressive child may yell or cry over small things. They may have trouble taking turns or letting other children choose games, and they can be really good at talking people into things. So I don't have time to go into all of that here since I've gone way over on this episode, but there are a lot of specific tips on dealing with children who are high in intensity in the temperament class, along with all other eight temperament traits, both sides, whether they're high in intensity, low in intensity, highly active, you know, less active. It covers all kinds of tips for helping your kids become less intense or less crazy jumping all over the furniture, whatever it is of those temperament types that they tend to be persistent. That's a big one. If they're super persistent, helping them pull that back a little bit and how, and helping them know when persistence is a good thing and when they kind of need to let things go. If they're low in persistence, how to help them become a little more persistent and stick to tasks easier, those types of things all in the class on temperament, yourvillageonline.com. Also, if you've been listening for a while, you know me and my books to read during quiet times to teach and help kids learn emotional and social skills. So here are a couple books on helping kids with these types of intense emotions, as well as the control issues and making good choices. What should Danny do? Interrupting chicken. My mouth is a volcano. And When Sophie Gets Angry, Really, Really Angry are some great books. There's four of them. Books about learning self-control around emotions and making good choices. If you want to learn more about honesty, manners, and respect, temperament, positive discipline, and actually the mindfulness class that's coming out would be great for working with Katie with your daughter, as well as anyone else. If you've got kids that have big anger outbursts, impulse control challenges, focus challenges, that class will be coming out next week. So to see these or any of the over 60 parenting classes on demand, you can go to yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.